You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 296 of So You Want To Be A Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you Gina? I'm great Val, how are you going? I'm You've good. been out and about, I know your state has <laughs> opened restrictions, we're counting down to my state letting us out, how has it been, what's it like out there? <laughs> <laughs> well we haven't opened restrictions, yeah. they've just eased restrictions yes, yes. in the state I'm in which is in New South Wales and, um, and they've only eased them slightly but uh, you, you know, cafes and restaurants will be able to have um, up to 10 people as long as they are socially distanced, which kind of means if you've got a small cafe, you can't have very many people in it anyway, maybe, mm. you know, only one or two. Mm. So, um, but people are starting to get back into work. I'm seeing more people out um uh, and picnics and things like that so it's kind you can feel everything lifting mm. and I know that we're a little bit of ahead of you because um, your state is a little bit more locked down but it won't be mm. long before you're out and about what would be one of the first things you're going to do when you can do you know when stuff is lifted I really want to go out and take uh, photos and go and shoot uh, and also visit visit friends yeah, you know, just like normal day-to-day -day activities is what I'm excited about. So I, mm. I can't wait. And I'm really excited about the day that we can sit around a, a table and in a restaurant and, you know, enjoy that. I have missed that sort of stuff. All the stuff we took for granted, Val, yes, is what yes. I'm looking forward to doing. So I cannot wait. Well, it won't be long. It won't be long. Mm. And, of course, to... Um, in this episode, we are going to be talking very soon about the secrets to a successful portrait photography business with our guest, Bernie Griffiths. But before that, I just want to find out a bit more about how you've been spending your time and what you've been doing since you have been locked down. Well, I've just uh, delivered a job for a, a cover, a magazine cover that I've got coming out. I think that'll be next month. And I did the uh, the editorial. So I've just edited all those and uploaded them and sent them off. So that's fantastic. And then I've also been working on uh, the AMA, which I'll be doing. That's the Ask Me Anything for the Gold community. And I'll be doing that tomorrow morning. And welcome to all the new Gold yes, Community new members. members. Very, very exciting. So that's fantastic. Mm. So there'll be a few that will be doing their first AMA tomorrow morning. So we'll be covering a whole heap of subjects, including um, how to get your composites uh, looking good, photo composites. And uh, we're talking about white balance. We're talking about uh, some business of photography stuff, uh, whole, whole heap of stuff. So I love doing the AMA. So very excited about that. Yeah, it's so good to see so many new Gold members and if you're interested in finding out more about the gold community have a listen to this this podcast is brought to you by the gold community 
If you're wondering what it's like to be a member of the gold community over at GinaMilitia.com, I asked Rebecca Martin why she joined. I was reading your book. I bought your video about posing, which was extremely helpful. And from there, I got into the gold community. There's so much. Uh, <laughs> everyone is so encouraging and very helpful. And it's so nice that you are there and you, you know, take that personal interest in each one of us and help guide us and push us to the next level. What's also nice is all your tutorials and we can go back and learn it before we do it. And then even with the editing, oh, how do I get the red out of their skin? We just go back in a tutorial and go through it as we're editing. It's fabulous. I think I've grown. I feel much more confident. Now I can post and know that I am really getting good advice and they're seeing things that I may not see. Everyone is just so encouraging. If they're serious about photography and they want to grow and learn, this is the place to be. Absolutely. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold Community, just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right, so let's move into this week's topic, the secrets of a successful portrait photography business with our guest, Bernie Griffiths. So tell us about Bernie, Gina. Well, Bernie is an absolute legend in the photography industry. And when you find out that someone has 40 years experience running a successful portrait photography business, then you want to find out what they're doing and uh, how they did it. And that's uh, what Bernie certainly did in this episode. He very generously shared a ton of information. So he's got such a fantastic backstory, including like working on a, a P&O cruise ship as the, the mm. chief photographer photographer and just uh, how he's gone about how he got his break in photography and how he started his first photo studio uh, here in Melbourne. I just love the story. And then after doing that successfully for many years, uh, Bernie now educates and coaches and mentors photographers from all over the world. So via Zoom or personal visits, and he helps them grow their business. And um, he's most famous, I'd say, for his Bernie Facebook style ads that I think a lot of uh, our listeners have uh, tested those out. So he's got a lot of great stuff that we talk about um, in this interview. And uh, he's got some uh, really good uh, approaches to selling that don't make you feel dirty. Like a lot of photographers <laughs> feel pushy or dirty when they're selling. So he, he's got some um, some great tips on the biggest mistakes photographers make when they're promoting themselves. And he's got this really great technique that he calls the soft sell, which he, he workshops for us in this interview. And then he's also, we finish off with some strategies for photographers to use as we start easing off on restrictions and getting ourselves back out there. So he's got some stuff that uh, newbies and established photographers can, should be doing now just to get their name out there and what we should be doing as we move out and uh, these uh, restrictions uh, end. And then he also goes into a bit more about his uh, Facebook ads market marketing, uh, some stuff on pricing and finding new clients. So shall we have a listen, Val? Absolutely. Let's listen to Bernie Griffiths. Bernie Griffiths, welcome to the show. How are you going? I'm great, Gina. Thanks for inviting me. I'm very excited to chat to you. Uh, before we get started, I always ask my guests, where in the world are you? Uh, in Melbourne, Australia. You're in um, Melbourne. 
But yeah. you, you've just come back. You've been um, you you were in New York before that, weren't you? You just come back yes. recently. Yes, in in New York for fifteen months. I had a daughter over there who had a baby, so we went over doing the grandparent things Fantastic. and. Uh, of course, being set in New York, it gave us great access to Europe. So we did uh, a couple of trips to Europe and uh, I visited some of my clients in the States, which yeah. was great as well. Fantastic. And and uh, now we're sort of all staying put for the next little while. But as soon as you can, you're going to take off again. Is that right? Uh, yeah, as soon as I can. Even driving yep. the car and having a weekend at some country town would be nice, wouldn't it? Oh, I can't wait. That's, <laughs> the, that's what I've got planned. As soon as it's, uh, all, all systems go, I'll be in the car and going somewhere, and uh, I think we'll be uh, flying in Australia hopefully very soon. And so, yeah, I've got my um, heart set on somewhere in the north. So that's fantastic. Now, you, how long have you been in this industry for? Because it's quite a while, isn't it? Do you want me to give you the real numbers, or do you want I, me to falsify it a little bit? Uh, don't lie. Just uh... <laughs> I don't. I don't want to make myself sound too old, right? But it's uh, it, it's fantastic to hear. It's uh, it's it's great to um, well, find out if, that people I, have had a career for so long. Yeah, if I give you the numbers, you probably won't believe them anyway because you won't relate to them because I know you're quite young. <laughs> I'm not far behind <laughs> you, Bernie. <laughs> well, I haven't given you the numbers yet, Dina. <laughs> Um, can I tell you that I opened my studio in 1969 right. and I was 23 years old. My God. Well, we got that in common. You. We were both 23 when we opened our studio. Oh, great. <laughs> but yours wasn't in 1969, right? No, 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 no. It's, uh, we're, we're a few years apart. Well, well um, that's, that's fantastic. And, and so you had such an interesting background. I mean... Your first gig was as a newspaper photographer, is that right? Yeah, yeah, as soon as I left school, when I was 15, I actually, as soon as I could leave school, I ran away from school as quickly as I could because I had no interest in, in school and education. Yep. Uh, my favorite uh, lessons were uh, sport, yeah. uh, soccer. Soccer was my best uh, subject. <laughs> How long did you work for the newspaper for? It wasn't very long, was it? But it was no, it was only a month or two. And as I say, uh, the reason I finished with them is that the newspaper folded. Oh bummer! So, but but then you got lucky, and uh, did you work in a lab, or was the cruise ship uh, the the before that? No, the cruise ship came later. I worked in labs processing film. Uh, it was in the days, uh, you know, I was born in England, of course, so um, it was in the days where, you know, the amateur took their films to chemist shops. Yeah. And uh, the labs used to pick up the film and take them back to the lab and process and print them and then deliver them back to the chemist shops. So I was assistant manager of that uh, lab uh, when I was about by 16, 17, whatever. Wow. So that's what... Um, I did. I'd process the films, dip and dunk, and then print them on the enlarger because there's no automation then. It was all done, you know, manually. So is this films for amateur photographers or commercial? Yeah. Or, okay. So yep. during that time, what did you learn or did that give you the photography bug when you're seeing all these photos every day, just immersed in um, creativity? I, I think the exciting thing, and of course, the, the beauty and the magic of photography was watching that print come up on the paper in the mm. dark room. 
you know, and that, that great orange light and the smell of chemicals. That yeah. was magic. That, that, that fixer smell is... <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. And, I still um, miss it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I feel sorry for photographers nowadays. They don't experience that wonderful magic. It's creating, it's truly creating something, you know, um, watching it come up before your eyes. So yeah. I, I did that. I became good at printing um, and uh, and that's what I did and in the meantime there was a local uh, photographer and I got to know him and uh, he taught me how to photograph weddings so I did a I started my wedding career actually photographing when I was about 17 or 18 with 35 mil film and my first wedding was my sister's wedding and uh, it was a good uh, you know invite into the wedding world because it was snowing and uh, very oh cold. Oh my god! But, so, bride in a white dress in the yeah. snow—what a nightmare! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the bridesmaids in mini skirts, you know, so and high heels. But that's just the way it was. But uh, my sister's still got those photographs. They still look beautiful. She's got an album, and uh, all those years, you know, um, to look back on that album is fantastic for her. So that's the early 70s, so you're shooting with that Mets uh, flash, big, big flash on the bolted onto the side of the camera, or were photographers using fill flash at that point, or was it all daylight? Mainly daylight mm. uh, at that point. Um, and then after doing working in the labs, um, I sort of, I'm, I've always been a, a goal maker and a goal setter. And when I was about 15, I did set a goal, write it down, that I want to be a successful photographer and travel the world. You I did that know, at 15, Bernie. Yeah, I didn't know how I was going to achieve all that, but it stuck in my head as well, the fact it was written down. So, and usually when a goal is written, it usually comes to fruition. I've learned that. I believe and, that too. And it does happen. So... How would I travel the world and be a successful photographer? So I applied to work on a cruise line, a P&O line, and uh, got the gig. I remember the interview, and uh, uh, the boss liked, he said, he chose me because he liked my haircut, because it wasn't long, it was nice and short. It wasn't like the Beatles, you oh, know. So you so looked respectable, and I looked, was like, I, I'll, I'll I hire this guy. That's right. I obviously impressed him. Yeah, wow. Uh, so, so I got the job. Two weeks later, I'm on a, a cruise ship going around the Mediterranean, and then I got a, a message to say that two weeks when I got back, I'd join the Canberra, which was the flagship, and uh, I'd be travelling the world, and I'd be number one photographer with three photographers under me. How old are you at this point? Uh, 23, 22. Single? 1968, uh, yes. Yeah, so that must have been fun. <laughs> it was quite exhausting, uh, yeah. <laughs> fun, yes. Uh, I mean, what a life. Uh, I had my own cabin. I had my own cabin boy that used to take my washing and dirt and bring it back, clean yeah. the cabin. And so dark um, room on the ship and everything? Yeah, yeah, so, on, so, on D-deck, funnily enough. So what does room, a photographer yeah. on a cruise ship do? Is it photographing the guests and then the guests in yeah. the taking portraits yeah. of them in the port and all of that, the dinner parties? Yeah, and... yeah captain's cocktail parties, uh, 
when we came into port, we'd go on the, the uh, you know, the day trips with the passengers and photograph them outside the necropolis in Greece or, or wherever we were. And then we'd uh, process them, print them seven by five inches and put them on a big board and number them. And then people would come the following morning. Uh, the count was open between nine and ten. And then they'd just order whatever they wanted. And then we'd uh, take the orders downstairs to the dark room. They'd be printed later that day and delivered to the cabins, pushed under the door that night. Fantastic. I imagine that would have been such a steep learning curve for you. So uh, you're shooting every day. How long were the, was each cruise? Like a couple of weeks or? Yeah, no, it's a bit longer than that because we'd... Uh, come out of Southampton and uh, come to Australia, Fremantle and, and Melbourne and, and Sydney, and then go to Japan wow. uh, and uh, Hong Kong for a month. Oh, so and all the guests are on the cruise for a month and you're photographing them every day. So what what did you learn about, like, A, connecting with clients? Because you've seen the same people every day and how many times would you get to photograph them? Uh, okay. Yeah, good question, but it wasn't, it, this was like a bus. So we'd pick up people and drop people off at various oh, ports. Okay, right, right, right. So it wasn't a pure cruise ship yep. per se. It was really um, a, an alternative way. And don't forget, this is before the airlines really kicked in. Mm. So it's a way of people getting from A to B, traveling to other countries. So that was the beauty of it. We had different passengers uh, constantly. So you're learning about, like, when you're outside photographing the passengers, say, at, at a, you know, a, a popular tourist resort, that you'd be up against it with time and then you'd be rushing back to process the films and get those prints out. How, what, what was the, the biggest lesson you learnt from that time? Well, I, I think that I had to learn certainly a uh, good technique in, in taking the photographs in the fact that I had to get the lighting right, that I had to work with people, get a good expression mm. um, and uh, and interacting with people and, and just having fun. And some of the times, one of the things we did, our first task was when we left a particular port, there'd be a new lot of people in the restaurant and we'd have to go around photographing the people like a table of 10 yep. and most of them a didn't know one another and b mightn't be used to life on the sea so would be feeling a little bit mm -mm. <laughs> and uh, you had to get them together get them to stand up cuddle up you know let's it and you know look at me look at so you're happy uh, uh, you know and all of that so uh, i learned the art of, of uh, sort of manipulating or posing people if you like very quickly you, i mean you strike me as a sorry Bernie, you strike me as a like a, a confident guy now and judging by like your your history you talk about like you being assistant manager by the time you're 17 at, at that lab no. were you born confident and did that help you with uh you know directing and posing people or were, were you nervous because I imagine some of these guests would be sort of alias socialites and things like that. Did that intimidate you as a young boy? No, good question, Jeannie, because um, I was very shy. I actually right. used to blush a lot, you know, with embarrassment. 
Yet when I got a camera in my hand, I can do anything. And that's the way the camera has power. And I'm sure photographers listening to this feel the same thing. When they pick up that camera, they're a different person because they're in control. Mm. And, you know, even being able to, you know, photograph people with the captain of the ship and, and, and you looking at them and you're holding this camera it's the the captain that's nervous not you right yes he's being photographed so you've got the sort of power tool and that just started to give me more and more confidence um and as i took photographs throughout my career like i remember doing some aerial photographs in a two-seater cessna you know with the door open leaning out on the plane and i I'm afraid of heights, but when I was looking through the camera, I was fine. When I took the camera away and looked down, I wasn't fine. So it does give you a sort of sense of power. That's what it gave me. And of course, the confidence came more and more as I got more experienced and I really knew what I was doing and what I was trying to achieve. And so the more and more of these shoots that you did, because it's like, you know, night after night, th there would be uh, probably a formula that you did, like this is how we do the cocktail parties, we work the room, these are the shots we need to get with the captain. You'd have a shot list. And so you, this repetitive way of shooting, uh, how did your photography change from like the first shoots that you did to, say, the later shoots on, the, on when you were working on that cruise ship? What did you notice in your photography style and what do you put that down to? Well, I think what I learned was what photographs people buy. Ah, right. And it was as simple as that. I was always, I always perceived myself as a professional photographer and professional meaning you take photographs for money. Mm -hmm. And I photographed a lot of different things for money. Um, so... That was my perception. And if you're going to sell them, especially if you're sort of photographing people, you have to know what they buy. And I learned that even in my ship days. It's not just taking photographs and hoping. You have to take photographs knowing that they're going to spend money on them. And in fact, my second trip around the world on the ship, um, I created a record for the amount of money taken uh, for that particular you know, cruise. So that was exciting too. So give me an example of a shot that you would have taken that didn't sell so well that you thought would and compared to when you changed the style up and, and, and worked out what kind of shot did sell well on that cruise ship. What was the difference? The difference probably was just, it's all in the expression, you know, in real estate, they say location, location, location. With photography, it's expression, expression, expression. And just like real estate, you have to know what location, you have to know what expression uh, that you're looking for uh, when you take a photograph of someone that's going to, and this is what I think a lot of photographers forget and get a little bit carried away. The photograph you're taking of them has to flatter them. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. Remember those days yeah. when you flatter people? So just like if you were having a photograph, you would want you to look better than you really are exactly and that's and that's why lighting becomes important uh, you know that that's why hair light is good because it makes the hair look shiny and healthy yep and um, the right lighting on the face can make someone look really ugly or really good so you always want to look you know better than you are 
And just in, interestingly enough, I got so used to, because I don't photograph with a camera anymore, I haven't for a few years, but so I use my iPhone. And I got so used to taking photographs with the iPhone and, you know, and, and selfies and all of that, that uh, a few months ago, um, while I was with one of my clients, I said, can you take a few photographs of me, you know? And he said, sure. And he did. And I sort of directed him a little bit with the lighting and, and whatever. But when I looked at the photographs, I was amazed how much better they were. And I'd got so used to the you know, the, the the iPhone photos, I'd forgotten how great a really well-lit portrait can look. And oh, I really looked good. Yeah, yeah. It's all I the difference. Because lighting, lighting yeah. sculpts the face, it brings out the features, the cheekbones, it puts a light in the eyes. You can't do that with an iPhone if you find some good light, directional light, if you're lucky, but it's like nothing like lighting a good portrait. So you, when you're doing these portraits of the passengers on the, on the ship, you were setting up, were you setting up lighting? Did you have like a Oh, no, no, it was all events. It was all events. Yes, it was flash, sorry, in the early days. I was trying to think of the flash, the Mets, um, it wasn't the we used the gray ones yeah mm. i think we did use those gray ones with yep. the batteries with the colored balls in that went up and down like a car battery yep, and it yep, weighed almost yep. the same yeah um but these were forever breaking out down i was using my own equipment and uh, the the uh, you know the, the the people that had gone the contract to put photographers on the ship gave us really poor equipment and so often i'd be taking photographs organizing a group and click and no flash and click i'd have to go and get another lead or new battery or whatever so yes so yeah just events um fancy dress parties things like that um, and did you learn think. like um, there is an art to controlling the shoot and slowing everything down i mean when a new photographer is starting out they're always nervous and you don't want to uh, hold anyone up because you think it makes you look incompetent but as you get yeah. that confidence going you can slow down a, a scene so yeah. as a photographer when that battery breaks you know a new photographer is going to just want to crawl into a hole but an experienced yeah. one will go hang on guys i'm just going to change the battery this is no big deal i'm a professional just wait yeah. there i'll be back did, yeah. did you find that that sort of being able to control the shoot in that way really helped you control the room Sounds like it's happened to you, Gina. Many times. Of course, it's happened to yes, everyone. You I know, know. It's, it's... And, and me also. And yeah. yes, I always worked quickly because of that thought that you just said about in the back of your head, you're thinking, oh, they don't want to be here or, or they're sick of me. And they're actually not. They're no. quite enjoying it. So, yeah, slowing things down is, 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 is a good point um, that you make, that photographers, you know, when they're starting out should really just take their time, do it methodically, do it properly and make sure you get the results yeah. as well. Yeah. But it takes time. It's called experience. Exactly. So how long were you on the ship for? Was it a couple of years? Yeah, a couple of years on the ship. And then I, having come to Australia, I sort of liked it. So I decided that I'd emigrate. So I paid my 10 pounds to the government and Qantas flew me all over. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And what? Where, where did you? Where did you land? Where did you start your career in Australia? In Melbourne. In Melbourne. Yeah, I, I came to Melbourne. I hadn't got anything. I'd got no money. I was. Uh, I had my brother was here by then, 
and so I stayed with him and uh, good times. I mean, they were really... 72? Uh, Is this 72, 73? 69. What, 69 still. Wow, geez. Like, yeah. So where did you uh, set up your studio? Um, I actually, uh, again, when I came to Melbourne, worked for a, a local camera shop. Mm. Uh, he did weddings as well at the weekends and I worked in his darkroom processing and printing and then did one or two weddings for him and he, he taught me how he'd photograph weddings and that. Um, so then um, I'd got this goal in my head that I wanted a studio and uh, we sourced, looked for one. We came up with a studio which was about 25 minute drive from where I was living. Had a look. Yeah, let's do it. Cost $500. Okay, so let's put that into context. What would $500 in 1969 be today in, in um, I would, uh, well, what, do you, how, what is $500 worth when you haven't got it? Yeah, because I think, you know, 69, in, in the uh, early 60s, you could buy a house in Melbourne for maybe a couple of thousand pounds if I recall correctly, from what my parents paid for their house. So like 500, 500 It wasn't bucks. that much. It wasn't that much. wasn't a lot, Look, let, right. Let's face it, I didn't have any money so anyway. You didn't have so any I money. Bought, I borrowed it off So my when you bro. say you bought a studio, did you buy a lease on a studio? Did you buy... Yeah, yeah. I bought the business, a right? A business, which, okay. Which came with a lease, a commercial lease on a shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was living upstairs and downstairs with the studio. It had a, a sort of an entrance, a dark room, and then the studio. Um, it was, well, it was handy because I didn't have a bed. I didn't have anything. So I just slept on the linoleum floor for a while. And when people came into the shop, a bell would ring, and I'd go, you know, look in a mirror, comb my hair. <laughs> Did you and, have a side hustle sorry. at this time? Did, or was that, what, what were you, yep. how were you paying your bills? How were you paying for this? Uh, struggling. Yeah. Uh, I was always late with the rent, but as soon as I took cash, I used to photograph passports a lot. Yeah. I'd process them and print them almost straight away. They were almost instant because I had nothing else to do. Yeah. So I'd just go and process and print them. And, and yeah, I'd, I was always running to the, you know, to pay the lease. Uh, that's the way it was. And th that was a good lesson for me. And I don't know why, but I certainly thought, well, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Um, and I learned what I could about marketing and what others were doing. And uh, we started marketing then. And uh, it was fantastic. We really started taking off then. So give me some examples of the uh, early marketing uh, things that you did in those early years uh, of your studio okay. that you tried out. And, and where did you learn these skills? Okay, well, you've got to understand that I have no fear. Uh, when I say that, I, I get had that. no. I've already. I had, yeah. no, <laughs> I had no fear of marketing. Put it that way. You had no fear uh, of anything. I imagine. You know, if you're going to just decide to just leave, up and leave, and go to another country, that's that that's strikes right. me as fearless. Yeah. Right. So, um, one of the things that was being done in those days was uh, competition boxes in various places, and these could be from anywhere, from fish and chip shops to pubs to uh, take away outlets. And one we did in uh, the bigger local town close to us uh, was uh, a Wendy's outlet, uh, Wendy's um, burgers and burgers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And uh, I remember that we had 900 entries one week, Winner Family Portraits. So we had a Winner Family Portrait sign and a box and entry forms and pens and a picture of what they could win, which was a 20 by inch, 16 inch um, frame canvas. And uh, we had 900 entries. So, wow. Yeah, we went, wow. And this is before emails, of course. Yeah, yeah. So we, I, I designed a, um, a particular form that we sent to them to say, sorry, you didn't win, but you won a consolation prize of a photography session and a five by four inch print. And then we'd handwrite the envelope with the address on, and put a stamp on it. And, uh, you know, my wife had helped me do that uh, at the kitchen table late at night. And we'd, we'd put these out in the mail and then we'd get people phone in the studio wanting to book in to do the portrait. So nothing, nothing's really changed, has it? That, that no, sort of marketing a, is still around today. So, it, But it, we do it via Facebook. Exactly. That's, so, that's, that's amazing. So seeing the success of that, we did it in many, many places. For example, we always tried to tie it, tie it in. So like we did it in the foyer of the local theatre. So we mm -hmm. had a sign up saying, you should be in pictures and you can be. Win, you know, a family portrait from Gregory's photography, et cetera, same methodology. Or it could be in a dry cleaners, um, which says now that you've had your clothes cleaned, uh, you'll look great when you're photographed in your family portrait. Or it could be, we used to do in chemist shops, we did it at uh, vintage car displays. We did it in pubs. Uh, we did it in McDonald's. Uh, we ran it at McDonald's for many years and so on. So everywhere was a possibility, right, to get these promotional boxes out there because they were flooding us with leads. And so very, very early on, I don't say when I mean early, I mean about three or four years in, I was doing around about 40 uh, portrait sessions a day. Fantastic. That's no, amazing. A, Jeez. We were, no, not a day, sorry, a yeah, week. I was going to say, that's so, a lot. <laughs> yeah, 40 a day would be like, but they were half hour sessions. Right. So with doing so many and we were doing in-person sales, I couldn't do the sales. So that was my first employee was a salesperson to do the sales. That's clever to take that out of your hands and let you do the creative and get the yeah. person that knows about sales to do that. So, and then that went, you had a very successful portrait business for like, well, like 40 years, right? Portrait wedding, yeah. Yeah, so fantastic. So moving forward into um, present day now, Bernie, what I wanna ask you is what do you think um, is the biggest mistake photographers are making when they're trying to promote themselves? Uh, I think they make things too complicated. Mm. The key is uh, it's all about getting one message across. Uh, we're swamped with messages, you know, every day in our lives. Um, we've got used to looking at our phone while watching a movie on Netflix and eating our dinner, right? We're used to doing three things at once, so we're not really focused on the messages that are coming through to us. So our head is just full of all these messages. So in your marketing, 
you've got to step people through what you want them to do message by message and each message should have a clarity so that they can move on to the next step and the next step and the next step so i see a lot of photographers complicating things when it isn't complicated at all but they think it has to be complicated to make it work yeah can you and give me does- an example of um one photographer that you've worked with that had one uh, complicated message and then how you changed it and what the results were well, i'll give you lots know, of examples but... <laughs> one yeah, one i i recall i was working with this client that did weddings and the first thing we do when we we i do the coaching with them is sort out that price list and she had 23 different packages for All her right. weddings and I'm going, no, I mean, you know, it's too many. Let's cut them down to four or three. Um, because, as you know, if people, um, you know, if their head's scrambling, they, they can't make a decision. So yeah, Decision fatigue. It's like when you go into a, a, gelati, a, a gelati shop, if there's 50 different um, varieties, it's very hard to pick one. But if you've got three, it's really easy. I'll go for chocolate, you know. I go for one of each. Yeah, well, you have one of each, but it just makes it so much simpler. And yeah, that that is a thing. Uh, decision fatigue. So, so when she simplified it, what happened? Oh well, she started to get results. I mean, people then and and obviously the price list was uh, strategically structured, and most people go for the second from the top anyway. Yep. So we just uh, put that price. That she she wants people to book in at or that uh, coverage um, second from the top, and it doesn't matter what price the top one is or the others, because that's where people zoom in on. And if you can strategically put more perceived value to that, so much the better. So, so do you just want to explain that uh, that it's it's anchoring, isn't it? That, that that's called when you um, yeah d- direct someone. Yeah. Can you just explain that concept? Uh, in a basic way so that uh, with the, the, yeah. the three choices? I suppose it's like product placement or something. It's it's uh, the one that attracts uh, the customer in retail or the, the, the positioning of it on the shelf or, or whatever. And it's the same uh, for wedding and portrait photographers. So the, the focus, uh, the consumer sort of grabs what they uh, see as a comfortable price, but it's also all about perceived value. Mm-hmm. In other words, um, your add-ons can be many things. You know, you can say it includes uh, unlimited this, or it includes uh, the digital files, or you know, with this particular coverage that you can't get it with the other ones except the top one. But with the top one, uh, you add things that maybe the customer doesn't want. So the, the top price point is really expensive. Yeah. The bottom one is pretty, fairly cheap, yeah. and then the middle and no one, one. Yeah, but no one wants to buy the cheapest. You know, photographers. Right. You know, getting onto a big topic, pricing. Um, photographers talk about, um, you know, thinking that the consumer always goes for the cheapest price, which isn't true. So never think of putting your prices cheap. Um, your prices should be a, a, a price level that, that um, 
you know, you, you that reaches your cringe factor, you go, gee, that's a bit expensive, but okay, I'm going to put it there and then learn how to sell it at that price. And then you'll be able to raise your prices. So it's a step-by-step thing. And if if you think that people buy the cheapest thing, if, if one of my clients said that to me, I'd say, so you've got the cheapest car you could buy, you buy the cheapest clothes, do you? You buy the cheapest food? And they go, no. I said, well, there you go. So don't think people go for the cheapest because they rarely go for the cheapest. Yeah, exactly. So um, just on that, I want to get to uh, one of the biggest obstacles I find with new photographers and even established photographer is this fear around uh, selling and uh, of their own self-value. So you see a lot of new photographers, a common question is, Oh my God, I've been asked to photograph a wedding. This is my first wedding. I, I, I don't know what to charge. I'll just do it for free. Or their, their, their price point is very, very low. Or they see that they, they come from a perspective of, I've been working full time. I'm getting $20 an hour at my full time job. So if I'm charging 50 bucks for a headshot, I'm doing really well. But you know, the problem there is to, in order to make money in that way, you've got to shoot so much volume. And unfortunately, a lot of photographers burn out because you know, if you can do 50 headshots in a day, that's great, but it's not sustainable. So how do you coach your clients to overcome that fear of a asking for those uh, bigger amounts and uh, that fear of selling that seems to be uh, prevalent amongst a a lot of new photographers yeah well this this thing about a photographer's worth I thought about this just the other day and I'm thinking is it a photographer's worth that you put your pricing at or is it the inability to be able to sell Hmm. and i think most of the time it's that a photographer doesn't have the ability to do selling properly Hmm. so the solution to that problem is to learn how to sell exactly so if you learn how to sell then you you can increase your prices as your confidence goes up and in my business after you know doing thousands of portrait sales and thousands of wedding sales and those were the days of albums and we used to upsell them a lot more pages than they paid for after 25 years of being the ultimate salesman you know when the doorbell rang i had a mirror at the back of the studio and i check my hair and you do that a lot bernie yeah <laughs> check my hair yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> well i've got it that i i've still got it so i yeah, can good on you that's fantastic and, <laughs> and so um i'd go to the door and say okay coming in you know and and turn it on and i got a bit tired of that because i always felt a bit of pressure with me and yeah. with the customer and when you're taking the photograph of of people you're a photographer but i can assure you when it comes to the selling part, you are now a salesperson and they'll look upon you differently. They know you're going to try and get money out of them. Right. So their attitude is a lot different. And so you have to learn about that change and how to overcome it. And in my career, when I got tired, I have to say, after many years, I thought, well, actually, the way it happened, I said to my wife, I, I, you know, I want to just retire. And, you know, and she said, well, no, you can get back to work because 
I married her for dinner, not for breakfast and lunch. <laughs> so that meant that I was forced to go back to work. That's the best <laughs> line. I've never heard that before. I love it. So I had to go back to work. So I thought, if I'm going back, how am I going back? What's my attitude going to be? I'm a bit over this. And then I reassessed everything about my business, about me as a person. And I said, well, who am I? Well, first of all, I'm male. And that was the time that, um, you know, young, attractive 30-year-old women were coming into the marketplace. And I felt threatened because I thought, who's going to buy from me, you know? And what am I? I'm a grumpy old man. And I've got all these threats of all these new photographers coming and new new cameras and they're doing a good job and newborn photography. So I'm going to go back as a grumpy old man. And if I was in the medical profession, I'd be a mister. I'd be a very experienced, you know, doctor surgeon. And I'm going to go back with that attitude. So going back with that new attitude, I had to develop a different sales system. So I created one, I call it Bernie's Soft Selling System, and I remember well using it for the first time, and it was just magic. It took all the pressure off. I turned the selling from pressure into retail. In other words, instead of me trying to sell something, the customers bought. And I, I teach that to my, you know, the photographers I coach now, especially at the starting point, and this helps build them confidence and then I can go up two more notches into the selling from Bernie's soft sell system. So once they get used to that, I take them to the next level of selling and then the next level of selling. So that's the thing about, you know, selling and meeting people. You have to go up step by step. Can you give me an example of a hard sell versus a soft sell? So let's say, Bernie, I've come in and uh, you're going to do my <laughs> boudoir shoot, which I would never do, but anyway, we'll go with it. I've done the photo shoot. Uh, let's do the hard sell first. So what's an example of a hard sell with me? How would you do the hard sell? Well, when you say the hard sell, you mean in the selling room? Yeah, in the selling room, the, the one that you the want photo. to avoid. So, yeah, so Look I've done the, the shoot. Okay, great. Um, yeah? g- give me my files now, Bernie. Well, we're in the selling room, right? I'm mm. showing you a slideshow. Mm. Is that all? Yeah, there? I look amazing there. That's a good shot. I look good there. Yep. Okay. Now, what do we do? Okay. So, there's basic steps that we put into place before we get into the room, of course. Mm. So, selling is you start selling the moment you contact someone on the phone, right? You're always setting seeds. Okay, so you're educating the client at the start. So right. when I'm booking my um, shoot, are you telling me up front what the expected uh, spend yep. will be? So, like, you know, this is the most uh, common uh, package that people buy and, uh, you know, yep. you, you'll be in for this is the sitting fee and this is how much you'll be expected to, to be forking out. Yeah, I'll certainly give you some price guide, all right? Okay. It's got to be some – I've got to give you some knowledge – uh, or if it's a promotional se- uh, session where you have a complimentary photography session yep. and a complimentary print, let's say, whether it's a print or a $100 credit or $200 credit off anything you purchase, dependent on what, what you do, um, you're always told at that initial phone call about um, y- your expectations of them I think photographers get it wrong. They think about the customer. I don't think about the customer. 
once you've got processes in place, it's all about you. Right. It's not what the customer wants. It's what you want them. It's where you lead them to. Right. And what your expectation is. So you have to make the, 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 the customer or the prospective customer clear about that you are going to lead them to a place where they're going to give you some money. So when you're doing that, are you losing some customers along the way? Is this the way you weed out the ones that yes. were just looking for the free portrait shoot and they'll take their 8 by 10 and never come back? Exactly. Right. Uh, there, is, there is a methodology of getting rid of them, mm. uh, not photographing them. And photographers yeah. feel a bit embarrassed about getting rid of people. But it's the uh, this is business. Yep. People. So if if your expectation, my expectation, you know, about you spending is not your expectation, then uh, maybe this is not a good time for us to connect. It's interesting because there's no other profession in the world. Well, you're not, you're not going to walk into a restaurant and say, hey, I want the uh, filet mignon, thanks, and uh, but I don't want to pay the top price. Uh, I'll uh, I'll just take it to go, thanks, and uh, I'll, I'll give you Instagram. Um <laughs> And, yeah. you know, uh, a shout out on Instagram. So and the, the, the restaurant would say, no, you can't do that, you know. So that so the, the difference between the hard sell and the soft sell, just, just want it. So you, you're educating the client. What's the difference between the hard sell, which you, you're trying to avoid, and the soft sell that you've developed? Can you walk me through a soft sell and how you do that? Yeah, I, it's, I'll, I'll brief it because it does take time. Yeah. I know we've got limited time. But basically, when, you know, photographers zigged, I zagged. And when they zagged, I zigged. Right. So when I get back, when I got back to um, working out a soft sell system, I just did the exact opposite that other photographers were doing, Right. So, so what were the other photographers doing and well, what was the opposite? The normal and what is considered normal nowadays is that, you know, the, the, the client goes in for the, uh, to, to view the photographs and then you show them a slideshow and the photographer's still in the room and then the, the photographer probably can't help themselves. They say things like, oh, I love that one. What do you think, you know, and so, and they can't be quiet. And that, that's what the photographer does. And then the photographer says, okay, so now we'll cull them down and, and see which ones you like, which ones you sort of think you may keep, and, and then we'll just get rid of ones that you don't like. And then they go through this long, drawn-out process of sorting out what a customer likes, and then they end up with a certain number of images, and then they say, okay, let's see what we can do with those. We can um, have this acrylic collage, uh, we can have the canvas or we can have and then the customer says well how much is that going to be and they say well if you have this like and so it goes on it's too long it's too complicated the customer gets a bit frustrated i would suspect in a lot of cases so i flipped all that so my process burning soft sell system is is that simple that when people hear it they think really that actually works I go, yeah. yeah test it and they do and they never look back so the customer comes in, you sit them down, you say, okay, Mary, what we're going to do now is I'm going to show you a slideshow of the photographs we took, and then I'm going to go through all the prices, through all the products, and from there it's up to you. Okay, great. You press the button to show the slideshow with great music, great sound, and then you leave the room. Leave the room. Interesting. Leave the room. Mm. 
and then you hear the end of the slideshow, so you come back in and you say nothing. Huh. Wait for them to say something. And that may take time. Yeah. Uh, and if you feel uncomfortable, uh, you can say, tell me what you're thinking. Yeah. And they may say nothing. So you say, okay, what I'm going to do is now I'll go through all the products and through all the prices. So then you have a price list in front of you and you just say, so this, this here, the one you're looking at over there, that's the 20 by 30 inch canvas. That's at 9.95. That one over there is our portrait box, 15 images. That's uh, 15.40. And then we've got uh, the individual prints there. They're best sold in collections. I won't tell you about those unless you're interested, but we've also got the acrylic there and that's uh, 2,500 and so on. And then you put the prices down and you leave the room. Again, leave. Okay, and you let them talk amongst themselves if there's more than one person there or you just leave, exactly. leave it, yeah. You've got to have more than one person there because we know you need all the decision makers there. Yep. Now, it could change if you've done, like after I've done your glamour session, yep. Gina. I looked great, that, thank, uh, you. thank you, you. You don't, you don't want anybody else to see them yeah. except because I've photographed them yeah. and you want to make your own decisions. So still then I just refine it a little bit and I wouldn't, I'd still do that process, but I'd just treat you a little bit differently and guide you a little bit more. Right. Because I'm the person you're going to have to discuss things with. Exactly. So when you come back into the room, then you don't say anything um, except uh, what, what, what are you thinking. And incredibly, the first time I did this, they said, yeah, we'll have, uh, we want one of the acrylic collages there. And uh, we want two other smaller ones for our grandparents. And I said, great. So, I mean, how excited was I? Because I know they just spent $2,000. Yeah, fantastic. And I said, okay, so let's sort out the photographs that are going to go in the collage. So I'm thinking you want the family one in the middle and then, you know, some one around the outside because there's nine around the outside. Yeah. So you'd want dad with the two kids, you with the two kids, the kids together, a couple, and then the kids individually. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, okay. So the, the, the whole premise of Bernie's soft cell system is you do not sort the photographs out until you've sorted the products out. So that's my flip. Normally it's the other way around. So yeah. once they know what products they want, then we just sort the photos to suit the products rather than the other way around. Fantastic. And then the key to the success is that you've trained your client earlier on at, at, at that yeah, first phone right. call. You've already given them an indication of this, this is how much you're going to be spending somewhere around this ballpark. And then you, then it's just soft sell from there. I love it. Brilliant. Brilliant. The incredible thing, Gina, I was shaking, you know, I did many seminars around Australia because years ago I was sponsored by Kodak. Mm. Does everybody listening remember Kodak? Probably not. <laughs> but um, Kodak were, had offices in each state and they used to not only supply the office free, the, the event space, but also used to pay for lunch for all my attendees. Right. And uh, um, where was I? Ah, oh, yeah. So what I, uh, what I discovered with this system is that it was predictable, that I could get predictable sales. Right because I was doing it so often and it was giving me predictable results. So 
when I do a seminar on selling, I take a couple of photographers who didn't know one another, um, sit them together and say, okay, you're man and wife, you're married, and, uh, you know, these are your photographs. And I went through Bernie's soft sell system and it got so predictable before I did the slideshow, I would write down what I thought they were going to spend <laughs> and Fantastic. put it in my pocket, top yeah. pocket. So then we'd go through the process, we'd show the slideshow, and I'd go to the back of the room and they'd start talking to one another like, what do you want, sweetheart? What do you like? And all of this. And I'd just let them go. Uh, and I didn't say much. And then slowly they'd get into the role play. And then they'd say, yeah, we thought we'd have one of these and then we'd have one of these. And, and, um, and then I'd actually be able to get the credit card from them, which I found amazing, you know. There was the opportunity for photographers to give me a really hard time, give me lots of objections, not want to buy anything. Um, yet there they are, uh, and actually giving me the credit card. And that happened because of a process, right? Yeah. And it was a predictable process. And after the, I said, okay, so that'll be $1,754. Oh, whose, credit, uh, whose credit card were you using to pay for that? And I'd lean forward and offer my hand. It's, it's all part of the process. Yeah. And I'd pull out the piece of paper and I'd say to the audience, you know, so th this is a predictable system. This is what I thought they would spend. And it was like 1790 right. So I was around about $50 all the time. And then you had to you ask the question, why? Why is it predictable? Because it just leads the customer along to where you want them. So I think with that soft sell system, as opposed to more of a hard sell system, a hard sell system is learning very clever um, selling phraseology to and take a customer from A to B, and it's pressure. It's tr and, tr um, with, and trickery, which a little bit often leaves a bad taste sometimes. Say, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it leaves a bad taste, exactly. So with my method, they are actually making all the decisions. You're not exactly. encouraging them, really. Yeah. Then they're saying, well, we want this. And you go, the great thing, when I first did it, when we did that, this the first time, look, leaving the room, it's interesting to watch the faces of the clients because they give you that look like, aren't you going to try and sell me something? Why are you going? Where are you going? Like, and then when you leave them alone and they get into it, no, they're not going to be put under pressure. It allows their brain to think and to, you know, work out the price and the product. And, uh, and then they're much more comfortable with you. And where you want them is in a spot where you say, we thought we'd get this and this and this. What do you think, Bernie? And when they say, what do you think, Bernie? They're saying, you can tell us anything you want now because we trust you. So that's the exciting thing. And, and a lot of my clients are using that system. Some have gone to the next level. But, um, yeah, that's a soft sell system. Fantastic. I love it. Um, all right. So uh, 
Moving forward, we're in a situation um, today where uh, many photography industries have been shut down. They're not uh, essential. We're in quarantine and uh, slowly yep. uh, many parts of the world are coming out of that. Uh, but yep. uh, what advice would you give uh, photographers today for this particular situation? And I know we touched briefly but before we came on air, we talked about like you... Um, had a business through the last big recession in Australia at 89.90. I was starting my business then. I remember right. being, um, I, I opened a studio, uh, moved out of home uh, all in the same year. I had a part-time job in an Italian restaurant and I remember while I was doing a, uh, a night shift, the, like uh, a finance company came in and just started carrying out furniture. <laughs> I also remember that one of the photographers I was working with uh, lost their house um, during this time and I was completely oblivious because I was 23. I was only concerned with myself at the time. I didn't let any of that sort of what was going on around me affect uh, my goal of uh, growing this business and I just, you know, head down, bum up and I just worked hard and uh, managed to have a successful business. I think you also had the same experience through the last recession. Yeah, the last right? recession was great, yeah. You, you, um, you, you were booming. So you, you, we can all get caught up in the hype and the news and we have to remember that the reason the news is on TV is to keep us afraid because when we're afraid, you know, we'll buy the stuff that that the commercials are are trying to sell us because it's in fear. People don't usually spend as much when they're they're not afraid. So with this particular situation, slightly different in that we're we're, we're not working because there isn't work. We're working because we've been, you know, stopped from... We can't work. What is your advice to photographers during this time a marketing and moving forward into um, what we do when when we're allowed to open up and get out there is it yeah. business as usual as far as you're concerned? Yeah, okay, a good question. When this uh, coronavirus started to happen, I knew that photographers couldn't photograph and it was going to be a tough time. But I uh, sat down one day and wrote a list out of things that the photographers could be doing through this quiet time so that uh, when we were allowed to photograph, we would be ready at the starting line with our car revving in beautiful condition, ready to put our foot on the accelerator. So I made a list and I thought there'd be 20 things that they could do. Uh, I actually got a list of 36. Mm -hmm. So as I've coached my clients weekly with my one hour coaching sessions, we've been ticking off these step by step step by step so if they've done all of these things and it's taken us this long to do them they'll be in a really good place to reopen now we didn't stop marketing um i've got one client who's got over 50 sessions portrait sessions ready to go and they're in a holding pattern for june at present in Mm -hmm. australia because we're not sure when we can really start so He's got 52 paid sessions ready to go, right? And I've got others with 30, others with 20. So we've been marketing throughout with Bernie's uh, famous Facebook-style ad. Yep. And um, so they've still been getting leads. They've still been taking bookings, and people have understood, yeah, we understand. You can't take photos for another month or two. That's fine. So, yeah, so nothing's changed. I've been working harder than ever, 
at helping my clients and they've been working very hard in progressing their business forward. Just to give you some example of that, yep. which is interesting, one of the things we've been doing is working on our websites, right? Mm -hmm. Websites are things that never tend to get finished. Mm. There's always something we've missed. So we've been ticking off things to do on the website and there's 10 things that you need to have on your website, as far as I'm concerned, uh, to make it effective. And I can run through these quickly if you like. Sure. Uh, and uh, I, I, I know we haven't got the time to go through in detail, but mm. the first thing is testimonials and reviews. Yep. And make sure you have a photograph of the subject, but please add the full name and the suburb. Don't yep. just put Mary. Um, we need a capture form. We need a lead capture form so we can capture people that do go to our website, That and at least one. And we've been working on a pop-up uh, to do that and uh, called gift up yep oh sorry that's something else that's the gift um, so you need a capture form yep, yep. Uh, you've got to make your photography shine the first thing that should really resonate is the photographs when people go to your website you've uh -huh. got to have a blog which is good for your seo yep. and do you know do as many blogs as you can and um, at least two weekly shouldn't be difficult if you know what you're doing uh-huh um, very important for the portrait photographer, at least, to have photographs of the products with a description and starting prices. Yes. So that to sort out any price, you can always send a link or you can say to people, have you seen the website? All the prices are on the website, but you've just got starting prices of your products. Um, so that's easy. Uh, and photographs in situ. So you've got to have photographs if you've got a particular product. Uh, which could be a triptych of three photographs uh, individually framed. You've got to have them on a wall. On in the, in the a nice environment, yep. In a nice environment. Size your photographs so you get a fast speed of loading. Mm -hmm. um, make sure you have data tags on all of your photographs, which is good for SEO. Um, set up a gift card facility. We've been using giftupapp.com. It's free. Uh, they just charge you $2 for every gift card you sell. So that's a fantastic product. Fantastic. Uh, have your address and contact in info on the home page right at the top so they know at least what country you're in. You look at a lot of websites and you would have no idea where they are in the world. Never mind, you know. Um, make sure you have your, your, your website address correct as well because I see that there's a lot of photographers in Australia got .coms which is a US, so it's not going to help your SEO at all. Right. Please have .com.au unless you're global. Right. Um, make sure you have your terms and conditions of your processes somewhere on your website, even if it's a, uh, a hidden page that you can send people to. You've got to have your terms and conditions for many things, your Facebook ads, you know, order time, what if they want to cancel, um, and so on so you've got to have terms and conditions so your business processes follow those terms and conditions and people should be able to access it so there's no discussion mm -hmm. about if something goes wrong or something's not working or whatever so there's so many things that there's little things that you should like um if people are picking up wall products you should get them to sign off on them that they're in good condition and you accept the condition they're in. Oh, that's a good tip. 
Well, we know, you know, sometimes people could be getting out of the car at home, taking it in the house, and the corner hits the wall. And yeah, that's a great tip. Yeah. Knocks, so you, you've got to do that, and you can have that. Well, you need that written on the bottom of your order form, of course. Mm-hmm. Also, it can be in your terms of collection and all of that in, on your website. So there's all those terms and conditions. So believe it or not, that's 10 things. That's fantastic. And, and it's like this is something that you is always last on the list. Oh, I've just got to get to my website. What We're locked down. And like I've been saying yeah. to all my students, it's like get out there, upskill, learn. If you haven't got your head around lighting with flash, this is a time to do it. In the, in the safety of your home, get a styrofoam head and just start practicing your lighting and practice your retouching and upskill and then working on the on the website so essentially this is all you know something that you can do full time or you know if you're working as well during this time then you know we're not going out we're not going to sport or any other events so we've got time to do these things and that's you know when when we're out allowed to to go back to work you're going to hit the ground running i just want to ask you one more strategy that you recommend during this time aside from the website that you recommend that uh, photographers uh, implement uh, during lockdown that's going to put them in in um in a good position when we come out well if you're a portrait photographer mm-hmm. just keep marketing yep. there are seven different ways um that you can do your marketing um but one of the most effective ways is bernie's uh, facebook ad maybe yep. we can put a link that they can go and check that out sure. gina yes definitely um, but that's that's the thing uh, about you know we haven't stopped we've been working harder than ever yep and uh, the the thing is as i said to my clients you know when this started to really kick in is your photography business worth fighting for yep do you really want this business and if it's worth fighting for then fight mm. don't just sit there and let everything collapse around you put in the work but you've got to know what the work is yep and one of the first things and you mentioned that earlier is working on the mindset that's the biggest thing yeah stay away from negative people and negative report it's not that bad we're going to be okay we people will. yeah we'll be fantastic we'll be i'm not better saying than okay we... we'll come out of this uh, eventually we everyone were, will be better yeah. off yep if we put in the effort yep so you know quickly to go through these 30 odd things uh, this is what I've been telling my clients to do, like uh, chase up outstanding payments, yep. which we've been doing, uh, outstanding clients, and I've been crafting emails for them to make sure they get some reaction. Defer rent payments with your landlord, sort out your photography gear and see what you can sell. One of my clients I visited, Warren in North Carolina, he had 14 lenses. And I said, Warren, you don't need 14 lenses, <laughs> sell some. And he was telling me this morning, He's made a total of $11,700 selling gear. Yeah. And that's to help pay everything, you know, pay the rent, pay for food. Yeah. And sell files. So what we've been doing is via a newsletter, sending out uh, an offer for people to purchase files. And uh, a lot of success with that. I know the most I've heard my clients have got have been nearly $7,000 selling the files. Yeah, you know, in a week. So they brought in seven thousand dollars net profit in a week uh, to send out newsletters to really think about and defining the brand. What is it that makes you different? What is it that makes you stand out? Um, 
about gift certificates. We've got Mother's Day coming up. So if we've got gift up on our website, we can do some Facebook marketing or any sort of marketing towards that. Not just Mother's Day, but any time. Once it's set up, it's set up. Um, work on the social media. We are at present doing an Instagram uh, five-week test on um, uh, advertising uh, oh, fantastic. On, uh, on stories, yep. uh, Facebook stories and uh, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, renovate the studio, of course. It's always a good time to have yeah. a look around and pick those old photographs up from the floor and give it a bit of a paint and change your lighting, look at your lighting. I did this just before I left uh, the the States. I spent a, a weekend with one of my clients reorganizing studio and the differences it made was incredible. Even yeah. just changing the spotlights for me got a warm uh, color light and we just could put daylight uh, balanced lights in and the difference it made, you know, the oh, photos would look amazing photos. under daylight as yeah. well. Yeah. Totally different. Yeah. Little things like that. Work on your website, SEO, of course. Uh, and uh, get more testimonials as well, videos preferably, as well as text from your past clients. You yeah. can contact clients and say, hey, would you give me a testimonial? Um, and they'll say, oh, I don't know what to write. Say, look, I'll send you three things by the email. Pick one and we'll use that as your testimonial. Write it for them. All right. Yeah. Write the testimonial and just go, yeah. how's Give this? Give a choice of three and say, pick one of these and we'll call that your testimonial. And, of course, you know, setting up third-party affiliates, which is important for yes. marketing, as we spoke about earlier. Uh, read books on business. Um, yep. I'm reading a book called Known at present. That's getting known. It's, it's, um, it's better than sort of branding. It's getting known within your community and set up a YouTube channel if you don't have one. That's good for SEO as long as you give a long description. Yep. Write a book. I've actually got one of my clients, his photography is fantastic, and I said, you, Marcus, you've got to compile all your work into a book while you've got the time, and he's actually done that. Fantastic. I was surprised. Yeah. About 300 pages of his photos. Beautiful. Which is amazing, and it's a hard cover. And the reason I wanted him to do it is so he could sit it in his studio on a table and be proud. I said, that's a legacy to your yes. photography and that'll last forever. So doing a book like that, um, win, a, win a family portrait competition on Facebook or, or, or get some, uh, win a family portrait competition boxes out there, write articles for your blog. And I got the last one, number 36, don't live above your means. Yeah, that's great advice which they call the uh, middle class, I believe. Mm. Mm. Uh, and uh, we, we uh, tend to get into a debt, and into debt uh, too much, and uh, banks make it af affordable for us to yes. get into debt. And uh, that's one of the reasons, as we said earlier, five years ago, I sold all of my possessions, my wife and I. I didn't sell my wife, just a lot of our <laughs> possessions anyway. And to have that freedom now that we don't have to worry about rates or uh, maintenance of a house or whatever. We sold our family home that we lived in for 32 years and now we're free to travel, um, which we've been doing so much uh, this year and uh, intend to do it in the future. 
that, that sounds amazing. Sounds like a good life. And I'm so fired up with all those tips. That's amazing. You've shared so much and you've been so generous with your information today, Bernie. I really appreciate it. So uh, I will put all these links in the show notes, but just uh, for the, those that are you know driving or can't get to them, uh, where is the best place to find you? Yeah, very simply, berniegriffiths.com. And I want to just mention my new membership site, which I haven't officially launched yet, um, but it's a $29 uh, try it trial uh, for Mm -hmm. 31 days, which means photographers will get access to my inner circle group, which is the group of photographers I'm actually coaching. So this is for photographers who are serious. These people, you know, are earning a good living from photography so that's the sort of people you'll be able to connect with fantastic and so that's there i'll put those uh links uh, and all the ways to find you uh bernie thank you so much uh for the chat today i I didn't get to everything i'd love to have you back on um at another time so we can um delve into some other areas uh but for now uh take care and uh, we'll chat soon thanks gina all the best There we go, Bernie Griffiths. Always great to hear someone talk about the business of photography mm. as well because it's such an important part mm. of um, of the process. So uh, if you want to find out more about Bernie Griffiths, go to berniegriffiths.com. That's B-E-R-N-I-E griffiths.com. And um, check him out. Yeah, some great stuff there. So what are you doing? What else are you doing in the coming week, Gina? So Valerie, I want to talk mm-hmm. to you about a oh, comment okay. that was made on the Facebook group, right? So this, <laughs> this is the "So You Want to Be a Photographer" uh, podcast community Facebook group. Uh, if you're not a member, please join. We've had a lot of new members uh, over the last few weeks, so welcome and to everyone. To and it's free to join. Uh, we'd love to see you. Lots of like-minded members from all over the globe. But one of our um, long-time listeners, uh, regular uh, contributor there, Pablo Pete said. He said, yesterday I was driving to a client's house to deliver some photos and I turned on my iPhone apps. I was also listening to the new podcast episode. Yeah, iPhone GPS, sorry. I was also listening to the new podcast episode and wow, Valerie sounds exactly like the Australian Siri. Maybe it's just (laughs) me. And so we've had a few people agree with that and then you (laughs) chimed in and said, I always wanted to be the Australian Siri. So... I think if we had a GPS that was driving us around and it was Valerie, there would be the um, <laughs> the plummy version. So you would be the sort of um, the I went to a nice private school version. But I want to do the Bogan <laughs> version. So we're going to give some directions now oh, okay. as Siri. So mm-hmm. I want you to be um, – and Siri's just turned on as I said that. Oh, my phone is listening. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's jealous that I'm going to take over. Sorry, I can't find this. Oh, my God. She's just those. She's jealous that I'm going to take over. They're shocking. All right. So what I'm going to ask you is, Mm -hmm. um, hey, uptight. No, um, well, classy Siri. So I want you to give the direction um, at the uh, roundabout, take the first exit. So you ready? So as okay. classy Siri, go. At the roundabout, take the first exit. See, that's so beautiful. You could be the Siri. <laughs> All right. So you don't want to hear the Bogan version of that? Go on. Some the Aussie version. Okay. 
So when you get to the servo, you just gone past Dave's house. If you've gone to Dave's house, you've gone too far. You've got to chuck a Yui and go back. But when you get to the roundabout, just hang a left. Hang a left at the roundabout and you're good to go. So you've got two versions there. We've got the, uh, the, uh, the educated, fine-sounding Siri. Give, give us another one. Give us another direction. So um, what would we do... Uh, I only know take the first exit at the roundabout. All right, That's I'll, the only I'll one. think of yeah, something. Yeah, go on, go on. Um, drive for 500 metres and then turn right onto Pacific Highway. <laughs> all right, so, the, so the, the, the bogan one is going, all right, so you go a little bit. If you get past Steve's house, that you go and get, keep going, keep going. Yeah, 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 no, 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 keep going, keep going. Now, watch out, <laughs> the speed camera's on this road. Slow down, slow down. Okay, you can speed up, speed up, speed up and chuck a right. <laughs> okay everyone vote on which voice you want on your oh, gps duh. obviously <laughs> it's going to be the uh, classy siri i oh, know but i think they would get you for you know entertainment value, entertainment value. Uh, we're available uh to record if anyone from um siri is out there like that would be apple right so mr apple yes. if you're out there listening we'd be um we're available both of us if you're but the i am in, i'm not discriminatory if somebody from android would like me as their voice um i'm i'm happy to be a you know <laughs> Um, open oh, you with could be my an Alexa. You could be Alexa. <laughs> you could do that yes. tone really well too. So we could keep going on like this for ages. Yeah. Lucky I yeah. did it at the end of the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So Gina, where do we find you online? You can find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm on all social media at Gina Militia. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, then do check out the Gold Community. You can find that at ginamilitia.com and click on join the community. And you, Val? At the roundabout, take the third <laughs> exit and go to ValerieKoo.com on Instagram or Twitter. And, of course, do check out the, sh- the show notes at GinaMilitia.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.